turn in our Bibles to Daniel <clears throat> chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, 9 and verse 1. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to read verses 1 through 19. Closing up the series, Thriving in Babylon, today, we're going to be challenged at how do we face trouble, how do we face turmoil, persecution, being faithful to God in this present life, in this present situation, and learn to use prayer as a powerful weapon that God has given us as his people. Today we're going to look at the example of Daniel, a prayer that he prays in the verse, first 19 verses there, and it gives us an outline for us to pray, and hopefully a prayer that will challenge us as we seek out God's favor as his people. Let us read together verse 1, and we'll read to verse 19. In your copy of God's Word, or if you forgot your copy, it is up on the screen. In the first year of Darius, the son of Hazarius, a Mede by birth, who was ruler over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be seventy. So I turned my attention to the Lord, and to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants and the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but this day public shame belongs to us. The men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are near and those who are far, and all the countries where you have dispersed them because of the disloyalty they have shown towards you. Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belongs to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by following his instructions that he set before us through his servant, the prophets. All Israel has broken your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. The promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has poured out on us because we have sinned against him. He has carried out his word that he spoke against us in our rulers, that by bringing, uh, by bringing on us so great a disaster that nothing like what has been done to Jerusalem has ever been done under all of heaven. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not appeased the Lord our God by turning from our iniquities and paying attention to your truth. So the Lord kept disaster in mind and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all he has done, but we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made your name renowned as it is this day, we have sinned and we have acted wickedly. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, may your anger and wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain, for because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become an object of ridicule to all those around us. Therefore, our God, hear the prayer and the petition of your servant. Show your favor 
to your desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city called by your name. For we are not pre- presenting our petitions before you based on your, our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name. Let us pray. God, we ask you this morning as we are reminded of the powerful gift of prayer in our lives. I pray, Lord, that today, that as we are given this reminder that you and our peop- your people become people of prayer, seeking the power of God among your people for great acts that bring you glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Joan Baez, who is a singer-songwriter, and she's an activist, uh, has been singing for many years. Uh, she uh, went in protest over to Vietnam during the Vietnam War. And in 1972, her and her party were in Hanoi in Vietnam. And while they were there, she happened to be there during a 12-day offensive of American bombing the city of Hanoi. She and her party were driven to the basement of a hotel. And the people were in fear for their lives, staying there for 12 days. She recorded or observed later that it's interesting that when the fires rise that people no matter your belief start to pray she said while we were there those who claimed to be christians those who claimed to be atheists or agnostics started to pray but she said as the fire lessened they went back to the constructs or structures in which they had believed beforehand Doesn't it seem that way that when we're in trouble or in turmoil or trials that we are drawn to call out to God? And no matter the belief system, people have some reason, this innate sense to call out to someone that's bigger than themselves. After 9-11, many people called out to God. They flushed and rushed to churches to call out to his name in prayer, but Little by little, day after day, month after month, those people, whether they were Christians or atheists or agnostics, went back to their regular routine. We know that there is something about that when we are in trouble, we cry out to God. But God has given us prayer for our power, for everyday strength, for everyday use, and even more so during times of trouble. It's funny because there's a lot of broken promises in the midst of trials to God. You know, people cry out, God, if you would just remove this, or if you would just do that, then I will do this. But the reality is, powerful prayer is more powerful than just a last-minute cry. How does prayer become more important in our everyday life than a last-minute Hail Mary? Well, I believe here in the book of Daniel, it gives us kind of a a way for us to pray, for us to both understand the power of prayer 
and to seek the power of God for ourselves and for people around us. To pray for the kingdom of God, to do great things, for, to pray for God to do great things among us. As we read here in the book of Daniel, who greater than to ask how to pray than Daniel? I mean, we've read through the book of Daniel that Daniel was a prayer. I mean, he prayed all the time. He was in exile. His people was in exile. He had a life of integrity. He had a, a life to, to share the truth no matter the cost. Daniel was someone that we would all say we would like to be more like in our faith. But we also see most of the ways that Daniel had the power to do what he did was he prayed. Why was Daniel thrown in the lion's den? Well, he was praying. The reality is, who better for us to look to than Daniel? Now, as we find this here in chapter 9, the first part is recorded a great prayer of Daniel. The last part of the book of chapter 9 is uh, that of the vision of the 70 weeks. Now, uh, there is a great um, consternation, difference of opinion, and argument about what those 70 weeks mean. And no matter whether you're a pre-trib, uh, millennial, uh, postertarian, uh, whatever your view of the end times are, the reality is we can't get caught up in the end of the chapter without seeing the beginnings of the first of the chapter. And the reality is this, that Daniel was in fierce prayer for him and his people and it says in verse 20, verse 20 that God answered that prayer. So I don't know about you, but I want to pray in a way that whether in good times or in difficult times, that I want to be connected to God with great power in prayer. I want to be able to call out for the power of God, for the people of God, to do the work of God and see many people be saved. So how do we do that? Well, I think here in our verses, there's four things that we must apply to our prayers. As we pray in exile, we must first praise God. First, praise God. Daniel recognized from the outset of whom he is praying to, that God was the one being addressed in verse 4. Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant. Later on in verse 14 and 15, he ascribed to God his great works when he said in verse 15, Oh, now, O oh Lord, you who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, made your name renowned as it is to this day. Daniel began his focus of his prayers by focusing on the greatness and mercy of God. And it is through God, through prayer, excuse me, that we praise God. And if we want to come into the presence of God, that we want to know God for all that he is and all that he has done, our prayers not should be rushing to the list of things that we want, but first acknowledging the person in whom we are praying. And that is praising God, stopping and spending many times through our prayer, ascribing and praising God for who he is. Stephen Sharnock, a, a, a Puritan, said what praise is. He said, praise is nothing else but rendering to God the honor that is due him. John MacArthur defined it as honor and adoration directed to God. 
A.W. Tozer made a, a longer definition that he said that praise is a way to cultivate within us the adoration and admiration that he alone is worthy. That he wants us to be astonished at the inconceivable elevation and magnitude and splendor of Almighty God. Friends, when we praise God for who he is, we are lifted up to understand a great and glorious God whom we are serving. And it is that love response from him that drives us to draw near to him. It is in awe and aspiration that we draw near in prayer. Just the other day, Sarah made a new meal for us. And it was brand new. And she was trying it on us. And she was worried how it was going to go over. But when we started it, it was delicious. Now, let me tell you this. It all started with Franklin. Franklin, who doesn't like to sit down for five seconds to eat, but sat down to eat this meal, he ate his first bite. He's like, mmm, mom, this is so good. And then, then I, after I took my first bite, I went, mmm, this is good. Where, where did you get this recipe again? And then it kind of became comical. We weren't making fun. We weren't doing it. But it just seemed like every other bite, one or the two of us were going, mmm, whoa, mmm, this is great. When are we going to have this again? We just kept talking and talking and talking about it. And what we, I realized was that in that moment that we were praising this dish, it was because we were overwhelmed by its goodness to our taste buds. We couldn't help but talk about it. We couldn't help but be thankful that of Sarah's provision for us and making this new dish for us. And really, at the end of the day, I think Sarah felt pretty good about it. The reality is this, is that we are overwhelmed by the love of God. We can't help but praise Him. We can't help but go longingly into our prayer time with Him, but ascribing to Him His greatness and goodness and power and authority in our lives. And when we are praying, whether we are in good times or whether we're in bad times, we should praise God. Remember the example of Job and Chapter 1, when everything had been taken away from him, how did he respond? He said in verse 20 and 21, he said, Then Job stood up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground and worshipped, said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of Yahweh. Friends, as we come to God in prayer, we must praise him in all things. God gives you over 23,000 breaths a day. How many of those breaths are in praise to the king? Shouldn't most of those in prayer be? Shouldn't most of those in our time of prayer be about ascribing praise to God? When we praise God in our prayers, friends, it brings us under the assurance that we're under the care and control of God. It reminds us that he is above us and he is running all things. And so it is for us that we gain attention to the awesome nature of God. 
And as we do so, and as we are drawn to him, we are then reminded how small we are. What leads us to the second aspect of prayer. Number two, confess your sins. Confess your sins. We need a clean heart before God. We understand that God is holiness. And as we praise him and ascribe to him his greatness, we realize that that it is just by the grace and mercy of God alone that we can even pray to him. And therefore, we should have a clean heart as we come to him. And look at how Daniel confesses his sin. Read with me in verse 5, going to verse 9. Listen to this. We have sinned done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. Who are those? The prophets of old, Jeremiah and and Isaiah and, and all these who have prayed and who said, listen, repent and turn to God, who spoke your name, our kings and leaders and fathers to all people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but this day public shame belongs to us, the men of Judah the residents of Jerusalem and all Israel, those who are near and those who are far in all the countries where you have dispersed them because the disloyalty they have shown towards you. Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belongs to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against him. There could be no starker contrast the God who is faithful in whom he prays to the one doing the praying and on the people that he is praying on behalf. In the half of the Old Testament covenant of God, there is a God who is faithful and there is a people who is unrepentant and unbelieving and uh, unloyal to God and it is only by God's grace that he has allowed them to survive. Daniel is saying here, that he prays because of God's grace. The reality is, is when we understand and admit our sinfulness, we understand that we are unworthy. But it is because of that unworthiness that we come to the God who answers prayer. What was his answer there in verse 9? Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God. In verse 18, it says, Listen, my God, hear, open your eyes, see the desolations of the city, call by your name, for we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. You see, when we pray and we confess, we understand that we are unworthy to be even... praying and uttering words to God, but it is in that we are driven to his mercy and grace so that we freely come to him, that we are humbly submitting to him, that we are acknowledging that he alone has the answer. And therefore, Daniel is reminding us to pray in the mercy and grace of God. The answer of our sin is to remember God's grace, to confess it, that throwing ourselves on his sovereign mercy that indeed I am a a filthy sinner, quite unfit for God's use, and so are you. So maybe there should be more humility in our prayers. 
There is confession that needs to be done. That God's word reminds us to confess before men and to confess before God. And he is faithful to forgive. So maybe our prayers should be more like this. Lord, I am utterly unfit to be your ambassador. But you have called me so that I might serve you. I cannot stand for a moment in my own strength. I have no words even of my own to say. Lord, give me the strength to stand. Give me the words to say. Accomplish your purposes through me, Lord, and other sinners like me. Build this church and your kingdom in this place, not because we are worthy. Far from it. Instead, Lord, build your kingdom here because you are worthy. And the people all around us need to see your glory. They will never see it from our wisdom and strength. They will see it from your glory only if you demonstrate it in flawed and tarnished people like us and making our lives extraordinary demonstrations of your grace. Friends, we, as we recognize the greatness of God, as we understand our sinfulness and unworthiness to him, we are drawn to dependence on him. And it should regularly drive us to our knees of confession, thanksgiving, and fervent petition for the sake of God's name. Let us be reminded to not run through our prayers and tack it at the end of the day, but instead, in fullness to him, confess our sins and ask for his forgiveness. Thirdly, we need to petition for the glory of God. When we pray, it is expected to us to pray on behalf of ourselves and others. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word palal actually means to pray, as translated pray, is an intervening. It's an interposing between God and humanity. It is this condition that we are praying for God on behalf of ourselves and others. And God's people use prayer to move God's heart, to ask him to hear them, to forgive them, and to change and heal their world. And when someone prays with humility, God has promised to hear them. As we pray, we must pray for the glory of God, just as Daniel does in chapter 9, verse 17. Therefore, our God, the prayer and petitions of your servant show your favor for the Lord's sake. Verse 19, my God, for your own sake, do not delay. See, petitioning is what we do when we call out to God. We're calling out for his power on us. And let us not forget the power of what prayers do for us and the prayers for others. It is when our dark days that we have the privilege of praying for the power of God when we need help, when we need encouragement, when we need direction, but also for others. James reminds us of that. James chapter 5, verse 13, he says, If anyone among you is suffering, he should pray. Is anyone cheerful, he should sing praises. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will restore him to health. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful. In its effect. What is James reminding us here? That there is great power in our prayers. 
that if you pray for someone who is physically sick or spiritually sick, you are calling on God's power to heal them. Friends, it is in this time of exile and and discouragement and, and dark days that sometimes we lose our way and forget how much power there is in prayer for ourselves and for others. We must be reminded that we must petition God for His glory, for His good, and for ourselves and for others. John Knox, the founder of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland, was ill. He was on his deathbed. He said to his wife, read the scriptures and where I first cast my anchor. And she read from the John chapter 17, the great prayer of Jesus. And even in his weakness, in his soft voice, he began to pray earnestly for his fellow Scotsmen. He prayed for church members. He prayed for those who had rejected the gospel. He prayed for those who had been recently converted so that they may grow strong. He prayed for the protection of the Lord's servants who were under persecution. And he prayed fervently until even his last breath praying, he went to be with the Lord. Friends, he understood the power of prayer and the opportunities that we have to pray for others. Queen Mary, Queen of Scots, was quoted as saying, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than I do all the armies of my enemies. Do we realize the power that we have in petitioning God for one another? Friends, it is the power of God that we need in our dark days. It is the power of God that we need to remind us to humble us in our good days. It is the power of God that we need to seek out the salvation of those around us, those who are lost. This is a spiritual battle. I was reminded earlier in the earlier service that we had someone come who was overwhelmed by the greatness of God. When we come in here, it is not about a total request live of picking our favorite scripture or picking our favorite song. We have come before the God of the universe and we have come to worship him. And we're standing in the gap between those who are lost and those who are being saved in a spiritual act of warfare as we worship. And when we pray, we are praying for the power of God. Friends, the power of prayer is what you need in all your days. And may we seek powerful prayers in our hearts for those who are lost and for those who are around us who need encouragement. And the fourth reason why we pray is this, trust in the one who answers prayer. How does Daniel know that he can pray with great power? How does Daniel trust prayer? Well, in verse 20 it says, I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, presenting my petition before Yahweh my God, concerning the holy mountain of my God. While I was praying, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the first vision, came to me in my extreme weariness about the same time in the offering. He gave me this explanation. Look at what happened. Daniel was praying for his people and praying that they might seek and they might find God's forgiveness 
and that he would stop the punishment that they were receiving. And God answered his prayer by giving him a vision of the future, of the hope that he had. And what was this hope that he had? Well, in verse 24, it says, 70 weeks are decreed by your people and your holy city to bring the rebellion to an end, to put a stop to sin, to wipe away iniquity, to bring about everlasting righteousness, and to seal up this prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. And in verse 26, after those 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. What was Daniel being pointed to? What was Moses being pointed to? What was David being pointed to? What was everyone in the Old Testament being pointed to that we know about? That one day a Messiah would come, the Son of God, who would be put on the cross for us, that he would bear the wrath of God for our sins, for your sins, and that because of that, because of that cross and that death, that we were forgiven and iniquity would be no more. And sin would be no more. Who is this Messiah? He's Jesus. And three days later, he rose from the grave, giving victory over death and victory to those who trust in his name and who trust in his work at the cross, that those who trust in Jesus will not die but have everlasting life. And the promise of Jesus is that those who repent and trust in his work alone, not by our works, not by our goodness, not by what we can do, but in Jesus alone, then we are saved. And the gift of God is this, is that as we trust in Jesus, we have guaranteed access to the throne of God. Tim Keller says this in his book on prayer. We know God will answer us when we call because one terrible day, he did not answer Jesus when he called. God treated Jesus as we deserve. He took our penalty so that when we believe in him, God can then treat us as God Jesus deserved. More specifically, Jesus' prayers were given the rejection that we sinners merit so that our prayers could have the reception that he merits. This demonstration of God's greatness and grace at the cross is the motivation for us to pray because we know and we trust that Jesus hears our prayers. And because of Jesus, God hears our prayers. And because of this, they will be answered. Since God has loved his people, he sent his son so that we have all the resources of prayer that we could tell the good news of those around us. Prayer then helps us to trust God who gives salvation to sinners. And as we know this, we pray all the more because of the one who died for us. A man was climbing the Weisshorn in the Swiss Alps. They had worked for many days to get there. It was stormy, and they had been work walking on the sheltered side of the peak until they reached the summit. The man who had been taken by this God was elated that he had received or done this accomplishment in his life, and, and he thought, didn't think about what was going on with the weather. He jumped up excited. I did it. We did it. And as he did so, the wind of the storm almost knocked him off the peak to the glacier below. 
The God was quick to react and grabbed him and pulled him down and said, Sir, on your knees, on your knees, you're only safe here on your knees. Brothers and sisters, we're only safe on our knees before Jesus. Prayer must be a vital part of our lives. We must not tag it to the end of our day. We must not tag it and rush through it because we want to get to the stuff that we want or that we need. But instead, we must be reminded of the power that comes through prayer before a mighty God. That it must be a priority, that we must make sure that we spend time worshiping God, that we confess our sins and bring these petitions before Him, that we are drawn near to the presence of God and that we are in awe of Him. But today, the question, do you have access to God? Do you know Jesus as Savior? Have you trusted and repented of your life? Have you trusted in Him alone? Have you been born again so that you know that forever God is yours and you can come to him and will be forever his? Today, we cannot go by except for knowing the grace that comes through Jesus. And if you need Jesus today, we pray that you would be open your heart to him. Brothers and sisters, when you are in trials or when you're in good days, make sure your prayers are about adoring God, confessing to God, and bringing your requests to the power of God. And as you do, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will come upon you because it is blood-bought at the cross of Jesus Christ. Make prayer a priority of your life for our church. May we be people of prayer in a house of prayer. Let us pray. God, we ask you this morning, as we have come to your word, that we are reminded of the priority and significance of prayer. We are reminded because you are great, and you have made the earth and everything in it, and there is nothing that we have that is apart from your hand that you are mighty and good. But in our sin, we have turned from you. We have prioritized our life and our things above you. God, I pray today that we prioritize your son, Jesus Christ. If because of our sin, we need the grace of Jesus. If there's someone here that does not know you, that you, through your spirit, would save them and make them new. And that, God, that we would be reminded of the power of prayer as we come to you seeking your work in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.